This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. What does the future of shopping and payments look like? I'm Roger Chang, and this is your Daily Charge. The following is the second part of our two-part interview with MasterCard Chief Innovation Officer Ken Moore, where we discuss the future of payments, 5G, and more. So let's switch gears to the future of payments. I had a chance to check out the touchless concession stand at Dodger Stadium last week. Uh, it worked pretty well, a lot like an Amazon Go store. You know, we swiped a card, grabbed a drink from the wall fridge, and walked out. It was relatively seamless. I'm curious... Uh, well, one, if you can sort of help break down how you helped enable this to become reality, but also any sense of when that kind of experience will become more of a common sight. Sure, sure. So I, I think I think you're starting to see that already today. I mean, you mentioned you know you mentioned Dodger Stadium there, um, and I suspect there were probably two different sets of cues there. One for food and drink, um, which probably moved pretty quickly. And then I would imagine there was a store selling merchandise where, you know, the queue perhaps didn't look quite or didn't move quite as quickly. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of hypothesizing here a little bit, Roger, but but I would expect that's something on the lines of what you found. Well, for just for context, uh, this was, it was specifically just for... Uh, alcohol just for beer so it was, it was a uh, yeah it was like a it was like a it was almost like a kind of a demo a small section noteworthy there was a a more traditional merchandise store like basically 15 feet away and there was a long line for that there were no lines for this store but mostly because i think people didn't quite understand what it was only that there was just like this random row of wall fridges stocked with beer but no one seemed to want to go and buy them <laughs> and I, I think what you're seeing there and what you kind of so neatly summarized there is the evolution, right? I, I think I think from 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 COVID, we've moved towards contactless, frictionless payment experiences. And we really have the technologies there to do that at scale today, right? And, and what we see beyond that is this experimentation. Um, with other technologies like computer vision to really try to drive those grab and go style experiences where you can walk in, you're not just, you know, you're not just taking a beer, but actually you have 50 or maybe a hundred different types of merchandise in front of you. You're picking them up off shelves, you're dropping them back onto shelves, you're trying them on for sizes. And computer vision technology is watching you as you do that. And then it's it's uh, allowing, allowing you to exit the store whilst making the payment. Those technologies are there today. They're not at scale today, but they are really starting to mature. So we're seeing huge numbers of brands move into this space where they're building these um, you know, frictionless stores, looking at you know, almost invisible style payments or gesture-based payments or biometric payments on top of these technologies that sit adjacent to it that enable us to have security and certainty that people are paying for the goods and services that that you know that that they want to pay for. So we see that emerge. We see tons of brands like Delaware and Circle K and Duncan 
all jumping into and, and we created a, a solution set that we called um our, our kind of shop anywhere stores and 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 we see a huge amount of interest in that i think people are trying to find the right recipe where they can marry up the convenience with the security aspects of it. But I, I really feel, Roger, that's getting there at, at, at this stage. I, I don't think that's a million miles away at all. I think the recipes are emerging now. And I think we're going to see them more frequently at Dodger Stadium and, and, and a thousand other places beyond it. Yeah, clearly the, the, the sort of contrast between that long line and, and the fact that basically no one was trying to, except for us, and maybe I think one other brave soul, um, at least that I saw. How much education is required for stuff like this to to get folks comfortable? Because you know, when you talk about things like computer vision and cameras monitoring you, there there's sort of a creepiness factor with that, right? With with you being tracked. That said, if it meant that I could get a beer in thirty seconds as opposed to thirty minutes, you know, I might be okay with that. But not everyone would be would have the same attitude. I'm curious what you think about like just getting folks comfortable with this technology. I, I think that happens over time and, and it and it comes back to those people that lead with the technology having good principles, right? Principles that protect people's um privacy, their data, they we provide security because I think it's very easy to erode confidence in a new technology quite quickly. I think building confidence in a technology ju- just requires time, right? We got to do the right thing as brands and companies, and we got to do it again and again and again. And we need to see many partners come on board so that the experience that you have in, in Dodger Stadium is is kind of equivalent to an experience that you've had 20 other times before that in 20 other different locations. And as it becomes more of an established part of our day-to-day routine, we, we kind of click into a new form factor, right? I mean, I, I, you could nearly draw the analogy of, you know, COVID led to a huge growth in, in us using contactless, right? That that didn't happen the other side of it. So the, the kind of necessity of the pandemic that we went through adjusted our thinking and our behaviors. And now it's, it's you know, we're just so comfortable with that as, as a form factor. I think the same thing will happen here, but only if those principles, safety, security, consumer in control, those have to come through. They, they take a while to build, but they can be eroded in a heartbeat. Good point. Uh, one, the other technologies, and this is the one I'd like to talk about, that I know you're bullish on is 5G. Uh, I'm curious what the opportunities are for how 5G might enhance or, or change the payment experience. Sure. I mean, it, it won't be 5G in isolation again. I think it comes back to that point around you know 5G combined with, with many of these other uh, technologies that are out there. Um, so if you look at, at 5G, you look at IoT sensors, edge computing, augmented reality, virtual reality, mixed reality, you put them all together, then, then I think we can start to do some really interesting things. And then as you start to look at Web3 or Metaverse, um, together you've got the potential to, to transform how we shop, how we socialize, how we experience entertainment, um, how we spend and pay and do business. So 
imagine a future, Roger, where you're again, I'll, I'll take you back to that, you know, this, this almost feels like I was in Dodger Stadium with you, which I wasn't, right? So I'm kind of riffing a little bit, but imagine that same experience um, a couple of years from now when 5G is, is rolled out and maybe operating at, at even slightly higher speeds than it is today, but all these other technologies have come to bear as well. And you're sitting there in the stadium, you're maybe wearing, uh, you know, you're not wearing a, you know, a, a full uh, immersive headset, but maybe you've got a set of glasses um, that overlay on top of your experience as you watch baseball or any other sport. They're overlaying stats on the players, their pass completion rate, their number of home runs, their you know their speed. Those things enhance the experience that you would actually have. And you can extend that same thing into, well, actually now, how do you order food to your seat? How do you get merchandise? How can you engage with avatars of the players themselves so that you feel like, and maybe this comes back to NFTs, maybe that's a loyalty thing as well. So for for certain people who have the um, Major League Baseball um, NFT, they're actually able to go into a fan zone where they can speak to the avatars of the players themselves and engage a little bit more. So I think these are the types of experiences that, that are coming. And 5G and then 6G, probably five, six years out from now, are going to give us the connectivity, the reduced latency, and the ability to connect to an exponential number of devices to bring all of this together. So to some degree, they're the glue. Okay. that I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, we're, I mean, we had just written about 5G, a big package last week, where we were talking about sort of the killer apps for that technology. And right now, there really aren't any. So um, I think the the idea that it works in concert with some of these other technologies to provide these different experiences um, definitely justifies, would justify some of the hype that we've put upon 5G, but still, still a little while away. Yeah. Um, but you, you could say the same about, about metaverse really, uh, Roger. I mean, yes. The, yeah. um, I mean, if you look at, at, at metaverse um, today and you were looking for, for signs of kind of commerce or, 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 or volume today, you'd probably be looking at, at gaming and, and esports, right? Where they're, they're probably pre-metaverse environments, but, but they're close, right? Um, but if you were to look to the future and, and you look at what many of the companies that are out there that are actually building uh, metaverses are, are actually doing, they're, they're kind of building these things in the same way that they actually built social networks. So they're, they're, having us personalize avatars so that we invest time into establishing a connection with, with a digital twin of ourselves, right? I mean, I read the page of your of your own publication today and I I saw an incredibly funny article, which I I won't I won't actually even read the headline of here, but it it, it talked about how we can um how we can be something else uh in the metaverse. I think that will be incredibly attractive. But so as we invest more time and and we build our avatars and we personalize them and, and we bring our true selves to it, they'll then build community. So, so they'll find ways to um, either use games to help connect us to people that are similar to us, or, we, or we'll have communities of like-minded, you know, based on interest. Um, and so then we'll start to invest a little bit more time into the space. So we invest through our uh, you know, our, our avatars, then we get more engaged by games and by communities. And, and then we're going to spend a little bit more time in this world. And as we spend more time in this world, brands are going to want to be where their customers are. So you're going to start to see advertising emerge 
in these metaverse environments. And then as advertising happens, people are going to want to fulfill. They're, they're going to want to actually be able to make the payment or conduct commerce the other side of it. So these things are a journey. Right, a journey that that will play out over over years. Right, it's it's probably four or five years before we really see commerce at at scale uh, in metaverse. But I read some stats recently conducted by um, a, a bunch of different organizations, largely giving us you know numbers in the kind of eight to thirteen trillion dollar kind of you know size of the opportunity by the end of this decade. So so there are some big reasons to get involved uh, in metaverse as well. Okay. Uh, well, I'll end our conversation with an issue that's top of mind for a lot of folks, and that's privacy. Uh, I'm curious what MasterCard's doing, and, and from your role as an innovator within the company, what you're doing to further protect the identity of its users, especially given that data breaches and, and hacks have become so commonplace. Yeah, I mean, this is so critical for us, um, Roger. This comes back to our principles, and, and those principles underpin every product that we that we build. They underpin and provide the foundation for any partnership that we do. Right, so it's absolutely critical. Um, so when you look at things like digital identity, AML, KYC, um, even tracking fraud, right? The you know some of our recent acquisitions; those are all predicated on the importance of those foundational principles that we have. We will never deviate from those, uh, Roger. So even as we step into these new worlds, whether it's new experiences brought together by those technologies we talked about, whether it's metaverse, you know, whether it's 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 quantum or you know, or anything in between, it all of it is underpinned by just an unshakable belief that that we have to have security, trust protections, consumer in control in everything that we do. That wraps up our two-part interview. If you have any questions, ping me on Twitter at Roger W. Chang. And if you liked what you heard, please rate and subscribe to the podcast. It really helps us out. For The Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening.